Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. It's been an unsettling start to the year with the markets, and I'm starting to get a lot of questions around what's going on and what actions people should take. Some of the things that people have on their minds. Why is the drop in the markets happening? When will we see a bottom? Should I wait on the sidelines until things look better? Uh, Should I buy on the dip? Or is there anything else that someone should be doing? So I'll talk a little bit about each of these. So first, why is the market dropping? The S&P 500, it's down 18% since its January high bear markets technically when it hits down 20%. So we're right there. The reasons for the drop, they're they're the same or similar ones that we saw last year. There's uncertainty around the Fed's change to monetary policy and what will that mean? You know, one thing I always talk about is uncertainty and how the markets hate it. Initially, there was uncertainty on what the Fed was going to do to combat inflation. Um, The markets didn't think that the Fed really had a handle on it. And I think since then, so this happened last year, and I think since then the Fed has communicated a plan But we've seen, you know, we've been in this big financial experiment with our monetary policy, really going all the way back to the market crash of 2008, 2009. Now that the Fed is unwinding some of the policy that they've had over that period of time, there's uncertainty really on how the or how the economy will adjust to it or what the economy's reaction to be. So there's some nervousness or uncertainty around that. And that's probably the biggest reason for the drop. Part of the reason for the drop is the Fed adjusting their interest rates. They've done a lot of infusion of capital into the economy during COVID. And even before that, some of that has driven inflation to really high levels that we haven't seen in a long time. So the Fed is trying to combat that. One of the things they're doing is raising interest rates to slow things down. Um, And also they've instituted a bond tapering where they're putting less money into the economy. But again, it's going back to that. What is that uncertainty and what does that mean? We've just gone through the corporate first quarter earnings releases. And while there are a lot of companies who are reporting pretty good earnings numbers from the first quarter, what they're projecting is a slowdown for upcoming quarters. And a lot of that is due to supply chain issues, interest rates going up, COVID. It's just, you know, back to that uncertainty. And the company never likes to be wrong in their future quarterly release. So what they're doing, they're just hedging it and reporting that they may see a slowdown. There are even some companies that are refusing to project out into the future. Uh, We're in an election year, so just political uncertainty in general with the midterm elections and the market doesn't like, usually doesn't like that. And then you have the global uncertainty with the Russia-Ukraine war, you know, particularly what will happen in Europe when some countries that are very dependent on Russian gas, you know, what will that impact be if that supply is cut? So the market just in general, it's cyclical and bear markets do happen. Over the past 100 years, there's been a bear market about every 3.6 years. While we haven't seen one in a while outside of the the March 2020 COVID bear market, they do happen often. And they have been happening a little less frequently since World War II, happening about every 5.4 years. One of the questions I get a lot is, well, if we know that the markets are cyclical and we've been in this bull market for a long time, we know that a bear market will eventually happen. Why not just wait it out on the sidelines? And the reason we don't recommend that is because no one knows when the bear market's coming. For the past five years, there have been people screaming that a bear market is coming and to adjust and to hedge against it. And guess what? It never came. So if someone would have waited on the sidelines for this bear market, they would have missed out on enormous gains in their portfolios. 
Next, bear markets, while they're scary, they tend to be short-lived. So the average length of a bear market is 289 days. And obviously we don't know if one, if we're gonna go into a bear market, but then two, how long this bear market will be. But I guess one thing to note is that they are relatively short when you do compare them to bull markets. We'll talk a little bit about why you don't try and time bear markets and corrections in a second. But one reason is that half of the S&P 500's strongest days or biggest gainers in the past 20 years have occurred during a bear market. So, you know, taking that approach of, okay, we're in a bear market or we've hit a bear market and let's just sit out. You're going to miss out on a lot of gains in the market. And then in addition to that 50%, another 34% of the market's best days took place in the first two months of a bull market. And why that's important is because everyone thinks, well, I'll know when we hit bottom and it'll be time to go back in and things will start sounding better in the economy. And the reality is the market is a leading indicator or it it adjusts before we see things in the economy. So, you know, even though we would essentially be in a bull market, it wouldn't be clear that we were in a bull market. At some point down the road, we, it would become clear. But by that time, the market will have already recovered and probably already start advancing past to where it was. So the next question is, when when we see a bottom, you know, it's very emotionally taxing. You know, people are looking at their statements or they're getting hit with the fire hose in the in the media talking about the downtrend in the in the market. And it seems like every time we're looking, it's the market is down again, it's down again. So there's not one indicator that says that we're at a bottom or a bottom is imminent, but there are some signs that are actually positive. One of them is it's a poll by the American Association of Individual Investors. It showed that 52.9% of investors are actually bearish right now. Bearish means they have a negative outlook on the economy and the markets, while only 26.9% are bullish. It's usually when no one can find anything positive on the horizon, that's when the bottoms are made. So with the investor sentiment, it's a positive sign. April's inflation numbers were released just this past Wednesday. They were still really high, about 8.49%. The good news is that while they were still high, they were lower than what they've been in the past eight months or eight readings. You know, one thing I think we need to see is hopefully at least a peak on inflation. And I think what the market's hoping is that we see that peak and then maybe the Fed can kind of adjust backwards some of the things that they were trying to do with, with some interest rates and how to hedge against inflation. On the negative side, some of the technical indicators are showing that we're not yet at the bottom levels that we've reached during the previous two notable bear markets, which were one where the financial crisis of 2008-2009 and then the COVID drawdown in March of 2020. So one technical indicator is when a majority of stocks fall below their 200-day moving average. What a 200-day moving average is you take the average stock price of a company over the past 200 days, and when the current stock price is underneath that average or below that average, it's said to be a bullish sign and that the stock is cheap. There are many companies now that their stock price is under the 200-day moving average, but probably not enough to say that, all right, this is an overall positive indicator that we're at the bottom. So question is, are stocks cheap? One way to measure stocks is by using a ratio called the price to earnings or the PE ratio. So what this does is it looks at the current price of a stock and compares it to what its earnings are. So this tells you how much you'd have to pay for a share of stock relative to how much revenue and income the company is generating for a share of stock. Now, with the market drop, what's happened is a lot of these P.E. numbers, they've gotten a lot better, a lot more reasonable. But what the bears point to is that you shouldn't just look at the current P.E. number, the current price equity uh, to earnings numbers. Um, you have to look at the future projections. And if companies you know, in their earnings are reporting or projecting a potential slowdown in their earnings, then maybe the, the price to earnings or maybe the stocks are not as much on sale as they would appear if you looked at the current P-E ratio.
All right, so that leads to, well, what should we do? Or what should someone do? And I know it probably seems like every time there's a drop, I come out and say, stay the plan, stay disciplined. And I know it can be frustrating because the gut instinct is to have some kind of reaction or make some change um, to it. But oftentimes, at least first having a strategy, but sticking to that strategy is the is the best option. You know, and then the the, the timing aspect of it. And one of, the, one of the reasons why it doesn't work is that you have to be right twice. You have to be right when you say, all right, let's go out. Things look bad. And then you have to go be right when you say, all right, it's time to come out from the sidelines and let's go back in. You know, just from experience in 2008, 2009, I saw so many people that waited until there was a big, enormous drop in the market, then got nervous, pulled the money out, and they waited years before they were comfortable putting it back in. And what they did is they wound up locking a lot of losses in their in their portfolio. And then what happens is the market goes up and they become confident and they say, all right, now it's time to invest. But they're investing at highs or they're investing on an upward trend. And then, you know, like I said, the market is cyclical. So then it's kind of a, a, a repeat where the market goes back down at some point. And, you know, over time, they're they're just causing damage to their portfolio. So what are we doing? Are we just sitting there and not doing anything? No, we're, we're still rebalancing, which it's actually the reverse of that um, selling low and, and buying high. Rebalancing looks at what your investment strategy should be, looks at how it's shifted due to what's happening in the markets, and readjusts the allocations in the portfolio back to the original strategy. One of the good things about it is what it does is it forces you to sell high and buy things that are on sale or that that are low. You know, we're still looking at different investments, different sectors that tend to do well in inflationary periods. But I think one thing we're also looking to is at some point we are going to hit peak inflation. Um, you know, it's not going to be 9, 10% inflation forever. So we'll look to adjust and cycle out of some of those inflationary investments that we've been in for over the past the past year. We're also proponents of companies or sectors that are boring. You know, you can have this really high-flying, sexy type of stocks or te- sexy types of companies, but a lot of times the ones that generate solid cash flow continue to grow regardless of the direction of the economic cycle those are great to have in, in your portfolio too. Now, everyone is different. So what's right for one person may not be right for the other. Another question that I get is, well, things are down a lot since last year. Should we buy the dip? And you know, I'm a proponent of buying things when, when they're on sale, like I said, but you do want to be a little bit careful. You don't want to just buy the market simply because it's down a lot. There's a saying about catching falling knives when the market is dropping, where do want to participate, you want to take advantage of it, but you also don't want to get stabbed. You know, that being said, there does seem to be a disconnect on some of the drops in some stocks versus their underlying fundamentals, meaning some of those ratios that we talked about. You know, it's true. There was definitely some companies that were overpriced, you know, at the end of last year relative to their earnings. But you want to you want to kind of pick and choose and see, you know, going back to what I said about looking for a company with strong fundamentals that maybe has taken a really hit that in it really shouldn't have taken as, as big a hit because there's always an overreaction both on the upside and on the way down. So, you know, you do want to look for opportunities, but you obviously want to be careful because the reality is we could see further drops. Now, at some point we will hit a bottom and we will start on the upward trend. Question I get a, a lot is, will we then, will we see a V-shaped recovery and re, a V-shaped recovery, it's what we saw in March of 2020 at the start of the COVID or coronavirus pandemic. So stocks over like a, a period of a couple of weeks dropped about 30%. And that's as we were going into full lockdown during the virus. But they recovered in the blink of an eye. People didn't even have time to realize that there was a big drop, um, you know, because we're all worried about getting sick. 
So I don't know if we're going to see, no one knows. And anyone, you know, you can listen to CNBC or to your, your uncle or anyone, and everyone's got an opinion on what's going to happen. And reality is if you talk to enough people, you'll get opinions all the way on the spectrum from, you know, the, the world is ending to, you know, this is the greatest buying opportunity in, in, in all, of all time. And someone will be right in their opinion, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they actually knew what was going to happen. Um, so one recommendation is just focus on the things that you can control. We recently sent out an, an, um, a notice to analyze people's tax returns. There's a lot of opportunities in your tax return to save a substantial amount of money. Another thing to look at, and I've been preaching the Roth conversion and look at Roth conversions for a while. A market drop is another reason to look at whether a Roth conversion makes sense, because if you have an IRA, um, the value of it probably dropped. So let's just use an example. Let's say you have 10 sh shares of a stock of a company that was worth $1,000 uh, at the beginning of the year before the drop, but now it's worth $800. So if you convert it to a Roth, you're paying tax on the 10 shares on $800 versus if you did it in the beginning of the year, you would pay the tax on the 1000 or if the market recovers or when it recovers, you're paying it on the thousand, but you're still converting over that 10 shares of stock. And essentially what you're hoping for is that you'll get the, the growth back in while it's under the Roth, while it's something that you don't have to worry about paying tax on. This is definitely emotionally taxing. So run an analysis to confirm that your goals haven't been impacted by this. That's the important thing. You want to make sure that if you were planning to retire here and not run out of money or have enough money saved for your kid's college education, is there going to be any impact based off of what's going on? And the way we try and preempt that is what we do is whenever we put a plan together or a goal together, we run a Monte, what's called a Monte Carlo simulation on it. So it's thousands of runs of potential outcomes to their portfolio to ensure that, yes, if, inevitably, if a drop like this happens, someone's goals wouldn't be impacted. And that's the important thing is the, the percentage that the S&P does or your portfolio does or this does. Sure, it's, you know, it's a lot of people focus on that. And then we get hit with that a lot from the media. But the reality is even more important than that is what, what's the impact going to be to you? And is there a way to hedge or, or, or prevent any changes in, you know, short-term changes in the market to really not impacting your, your goals? So it's really, you know, this everything going on is definitely emotionally taxing. But, you know, it's it's just proven historically that staying disciplined, it's, you know, it'll result in the best outcome, you know, whenever we see like this really heavy volatility that we're that we're experiencing now. I'm happy to talk. If anyone has any questions, you can schedule a call with me by going about us uh, backslash call. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.